Yale Podcast Network. Welcome to ISM Fellows in Conversation, a podcast from the Yale Institute of Sacred Music. The episodes in this series present a discussion between a current ISM student and a visiting researcher in the ISM Fellows program. Each year, the Institute hosts a cohort of fellows who are in residence for one year to pursue interdisciplinary projects and teach at Yale. The following conversation focuses on the diverse research, teaching, and creative work of a current ISM fellow. Welcome to the Yale ISM podcast, which hosts conversations with current Institute of Sacred Music fellows. My name is Calvin Cummings, and I am a first year at Yale Divinity School and a member of the ISM. Um, I'm interested in womanist ethics, and I'm here with Melanie R. Hill, who taps into the literary brilliance that marries this cacophony um, of literature and, and, and theology and all of these things in her work. Um, Melanie R. Hill it received her PhD in English literature with concentrations in Africana studies and women and gender and sexuality from the University of Pennsylvania, a master's degree from the University of Pen- Pennsylvania, a second master's degree in literature from George Mason University, and a BA in English with a minor in Spanish from the University of Virginia. Dr. Hill is an assistant professor of American literature at Rutgers University, Newark and has published articles on black feminism slash womanism and the art of the sermon in African-American literature, as well as on, uh, on the works of Bessie Smith and Ella Fitzgerald for Oxford University Press. Dr. Gill is also um, an associate research scholar at Yale University Institute of Sacred Music and visiting assistant professor at Yale Divinity School. Her forthcoming manuscript, Colored Women Sitting on High, Womanist Sermonic Practice in Literature and Music, University of North Carolina Press, is an interdisciplinary analysis of black women preachers in African-American literature, music, and in the space of the pulpit countering social injustices through sermon and song. In addition to her scholarship, Dr. Hill is a gospel soul violinist who has performed at the White House on two occasions under the Obama administration, the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., the Apollo Theater in New York, the Staples Centers in L.A., the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture, and for Pope Francis Papal Moss during his historic visit to the United States. She's also been featured on Showtime at the Apollo, Good Day Philadelphia, Philadelphia Style Magazine, BET TV One, and has performed for Senator Reverend Dr. Raphael G. Warnock, Mrs. Sabrina Fulton, Dr. Juanetta B. Cole, Mrs. Susan L. Taylor, Alice Walker, and open for John Legend and Jonathan McReynolds. Recently in honor of precious lives lost during the pandemic, Dr. Hill opened for the National Council of Churches before the sermon of Bishop Michael B. Curry, presiding bishop and primate of the Episcopal Church. Dr. Hill remains grateful for God's blessings and sustains a focus on sharing inspiration through her violin and spreading scholarship along the intersections of literature, music, and theology. Welcome, Dr. Hill. 
Thank you, Calvin, for hosting this conversation. In terms of your current research and upcoming manuscript, Cuddled Women Sitting on High, Womanist Sermonic Practice in Literature and Music, you mentioned growing up under the sermonic sound and cadence of Black women preachers. Could you speak more about this and how it informs your work? Absolutely. So for me, since the age of four, I have grown up under the leadership of two black women preachers in in Norfolk, Virginia. For me, it was normal to see black women preachers take the pulpit uh, to in their sort of uh, realm of of preacherly authority uh, to take the pulpit as black women preachers. Um, I know that for me as a as a young girl, literature, books, music, and theology all encompassed the realm of who I who I was then and who I am now as both scholar and artist. And so I grew up listening to the sounds uh, of Bishop Dr. Barbara Amos, her sermons, and and the ways in which she talked about race and social justice and uh, and gender within the pulpit. I remember growing up and sort of hearing, it's very sensory for me, right? Hearing the 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 Hammond B3 organ and the sounds of Reverend Dr. Sharon S. Riley and the ways in which her hands crafted particular cadences and rhythms and tones and textures, not only from her voice, uh, but from her hands as well. And the ways in which sermon and song both intersected. So at the age of four, my ears were tuned and, and, and sharpened to really hearing the ways in which text, sermon, and song come together. And so that's why this work is so, so important for me, because Colored Women Sitting on High, Womanist Sermonic Practice in Literature and Music, is an interdisciplinary analysis of the presence of black women preachers, not only within the realm of the pulpit, but also in African-American literature and black sacred music performance. So these three realms of literature, music, and theology have encompassed my life in, in, in such uh, a rich and, and passionate way. And so it is a beautiful blessing to not only research what I love, literature, music, and theology, but to really bring to the world a new framework, a new examination of looking at black women preachers in sermon and song. Well, it's beautiful. It sounds like that that it brings together this that cadence that they sing together in a choir. These this interdisciplinary work does do that. It, yes, it 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 is amplified. In yes, the, in, in your work, and it is something something you haven't. You're not just currently doing. You are have always done. Yes, and and for me, I. I want to really acknowledge the work of the late Reverend Dr. Katie Janita Cannon and her work, Katie's Cannon, Womanism in the Soul of the Black Community, because in that particular work, she emphasizes and looks at the black sacred preaching tradition and the ways in which the black woman's literary tradition has 
has enhanced and and brought extreme significance to the black sacred preaching tradition. And she says herself, she says that black women novelists give me a way to look at Afro-Christian thought outside of the institutional and traditionally articulated expressions of faith. And she says that black women writers add an important voice to the discussion of the sermon as genre and preaching as process. So for me in, in my research, looking at the sermon as a literary genre and opening it up in a, in a significant and impactful way that centers the voices of black women preachers specifically is very important for me to me because we, when we look at African-American literature and black writers in general, but particularly, but black women writers in particular, that their literature adds a beautiful element to the ways in which we begin to expand our thinking of theology uh, and to really incorporate more literary thought and literary analysis into into black theology, uh, I think is gives a more compelling uh, and and rich way to to expand religion, literature, womanist thought, etc. Uh, so I I give honor to the late Reverend Dr. Katie Geneva Cannon um, in, in my work in the ways in which her work has really impacted my life. And and using Dr. Katie Cannon's work, you assert womanist sermonic preaching inside and outside of the church to be sites for black the black epistem. Yes. Um, could you say more about this? Yes. So the critical framework, the theoretical framework that I posit in my work is womanist sermonic practice. Of course, it stems from Alice Walker, the creator of womanism. And it also really expands within literary thought and theological thought, the ways in which we look at sermon and sound together. So when I talk about womanist sermonic practice, it is a threefold epistemological theoretical framework where I look at the presence of black women preachers in literature, music, and theology. So we're not just looking at the illustration or portrayal of black women preachers within the pulpit, but we're looking at the ways in which there are particular social justice preaching moments outside of the pulpit, the ways in which black women use their their uh, their praying feet to to march uh, in the streets in in for social justice the ways in which they physically put their bodies on the front lines for social justice for the community and the world and so for me womanist sermonic practice is an extension of womanist thought when we think about Alice Walker's tenets of womanism. Uh, But also when we think about womanist sermonic practice, I want us to look at this theoretical framework within the lens of sound and sermon, right? So we 
think about these tenets of self-love, agency, self-actualization, and the ways in which Black women writers and Black women preachers serve as historical and moral agents, the ways in which their writings and pieces of literature give agency not only to Black women, but also to the entire world as well. That's one of the tenets of womanist sermonic practice. Uh, I also, in this particular theoretical framework, look at the ways in which sermons affect change and the ways in which the black woman preacher's sermons affect change and the ways in which the black woman preacher herself is the microphone that expands the voices of the voiceless. I also look at the ways in which from generation to generation to generation where womanist sermonic practice is is an act of passing the torch and sharing the light. So it is in essence this this movement, this continuous movement and tradition of of womanist sermonic practice where from one black woman preacher to another from generation to ger- to generation you're seeing uh, this movement towards liberation, towards progression, towards justice, right? And so for me, those are the the tenets of what womanist sermonic practice encompasses. Uh, but overall, I want us within this theoretical framework to think about the portrayal of black women preachers in all three realms of discursive discourse, literature, music, and theology. So that's what the critical theoretical framework that I posit implements. That's what that does. Dr. Hill, how might... This site or these sites, if if I might expand to be plural, for the black epistem, be a shield from what you call the fiery darts of white supremacy. So for me in my research, the element of social justice activist preaching is extremely important to me when I think about the sermons of black women preachers. So you asked before I, the, how I grew up under listening to black women preachers and the efficacy of that. For me, I always heard and was always surrounded by social justice activist preaching. So when I think about the black woman preacher uh, and her fiery tongue and her sermon being those darts against white supremacy, against patriarchy, against oppression, etc., that that really takes on the full form of my work on black women preachers, that I'm not just talking about the ways in which black women preachers sermonize, but how they are actually crafting their sermons through a social justice lens. So when I think about the fiery darts, you mentioned fiery darts, that I think about explicitly Ephesians 6, chapter 6, uh, verses 11 through ter- thir- 17, and It says to put on the full armor of God so that you can stand, take your stand against the devil's schemes for your, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then it says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything 
to stand. So for me, when I look at particular black women preachers that put their physical bodies out on the front line at the steps of the Capitol, uh, uh, using prayer as protest and their marching feet actually making sound, the, the cadence of their of their praying feet, etc., against social injustice, that this is what I mean when we look at the black woman preacher taking on the full armor of God, uh, not only using their sermons, right, and, and sound against social injustices, but also their physical bodies as well. So this efficacy of social justice activist preaching is not only within the brick and mortar of the church, but it's also outside in the streets as well. And so that is what I also emphasize within my manuscript. Dr. Hill, it's extravagantly impressive to kind of talk about the stories of, of your brilliance. But I think I, as a gospel soul violinist, this fall semester, you accompany Jonathan McReynolds um, in his performance and visit with the Black Church Study Certificate Program within the Yale Divinity School. Could you tell us a little bit more about your performances and course teachings right now at Yale and how how that breathes into what we've what we've been talking about today? So this this sacred space is encompasses who I am as a scholar, as a professor, as a scholar, uh, and as a professional music artist, as a gospel soul violinist. And when I think about all the things that have impacted my life, books, music, and theology, that to literally be in sort of the, the, the same realm that of of sacred music, of theology, in terms of in terms of how my life has has been led is is a blessing. And when I when I think about the faithfulness of God and the grace of God, that the performance with Jonathan McReynolds was a dream. Number one, it it was a dream um, throughout my life books and music have always fueled me. They, it's, it's literally encompasses who I am. And so to be able to teach as a professor, as a scholar to, and also to perform and minister through gospel soul violin, all, all of those things uh, encompass the dream. So in Zora Neale Hurston's book, their eyes were watching God. She has a sentence that says the dream is the truth. And it certainly is. And I have experienced that, that moment, uh, for the Black Church Studies program, ministering uh, to the hearts of everyone in attendance, and then also ministering and sharing the stage in ministry with him that night on October 5th, both of those moments were were true dreams and, and true visions. Uh, all of the prayers, all of the prophecies that I have experienced in my life uh, were, were manifested that day and that night. And when I think about what the word ministry means, right, the word ministry means to help and to serve. So in both instances, it wasn't just about 
being on stage. For me, it's much deeper than that. It's about true ministry for me. It's not only the dream realized, but for me, the dream is true ministry being realized, that people's lives are being changed and transformed and liberated through the healing power of sacred music, through the healing power of gospel music in particular. Uh, And for me, the 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 atmosphere of worship that was created that night uh, was so was so heavy. I I will never ever ever forget that uh, for for the rest of my life because for me those moments. Of, of being on stage, not only October 5th, but, but everything else that has happened in my life, that all of those moments were opportunities of ministry for me. And so I always know that if I have ministry at the forefront of everything that I do, the definition of to help, what does it mean to help? What does it mean to serve? That's the very essence of, of ministry. And that's the very essence of who I am. What are the ways in which my research can serve as ministry? What are the ways in which my sacred music performances can serve as ministry, right? What are the ways in which my teaching and pedagogical experience and passion for showing students and and other people my passion for for my work and the ways in which the work of black women preachers can is, is efficacious and can help transform and change the world, right? For me, those are the important things that matter. Uh, the teaching, the, the literacy, the music, everything that encompasses who I am, that ministry is at the forefront. So it is a it is a blessing and it was a beautiful blessing to share the stage um in ministry with with Jonathan McReynolds, it the dream indeed is the truth. Tell us a little bit about what you're teaching in the fall. Yes, so in spring of 2022, starting in January, uh, January 24th, I am teaching a course called God's Trombones, Contemporary Black Women Preachers in Literature and Music. As we know, the title God's Trombones comes from James Weldon Johnson's God's Trombones, Seven Negro Sermons in Verse. And... And for me, uh, that particular title to name the course was was extremely inspiriting to me. Uh, but this particular course is an interdisciplinary course that looks at the portrayal of the sermon in African-American literature, the efficacy of, an, of analyzing the sermon in African-American literature, the presence of black women preachers as protagonists in African-American literature and black sacred music performance and theology. So it is very much an, an interdisciplinary course that will that will focus on literature in religion. And that will focus on the ways in which black writers portray black women preachers in their works. And so we will be listening to sacred music performances. Uh, We will be listening to uh, sermons of black women preachers. We will be analyzing and doing close readings of the literature of black writers from Toni Morrison and James Baldwin and Langston Hughes and Zora Neale Hurston and all of these rich, iconic black 
writers that are a part of the African-American literary canon. We will be dissecting all of those. So I am extremely excited about this course uh, at the Divinity School. And and I, I cannot wait. And I'm just so excited to share with students my my passion of, of Black women preachers and the ways in which they are illustrated in all three realms of discursive discourse, literature, music, and theology. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Hill. It has been wonderful to listen to all of the things that um, have been going around. <laughs> thank you, Calvin, for hosting this conversation. For more information on the ISM Fellows Program, please visit ism.yale.edu forward slash fellowships. Please join us again for more episodes of ISM Fellows in Conversation.